Well, thank you to the music team for leading us in this very special way. And um, except for them sitting in the church, the church is absolutely empty and it's terrible. Because one of the things that we miss is the fellowship that we enjoy with one another and staying in contact with one another. So I want to su suggest you or propose that you join me in a commitment that I made that I'm going to phone at least three people this week. People that I normally talk to in church, the usual ones that you chat to, and just call them and say hi. Or perhaps call people who are mentioned in the prayer chain who are going through a hard time and just to encourage them. And because... In Hebrews 10.25, we are told that we need to meet together to encourage one another. And we can't do that with an empty church. So won't you join me and do that? Let's start to dial a friend for Waterkloof. So, well, today is Father's Day, and I hope all the fathers have a very happy day. I hope you got some nice gifts besides the pink socks with purple stripes. And... Um, I, uh, I, in fact, my children gave me a very nice gift. They clapped together and they gave me a unidirectional microphone to enhance the recording of the daily devotions, which I hope you all receive on the church's WhatsApp. And by the way, the topic for this coming week is coping with stress. But Father's Day may not be a happy day for everybody. Some of you may be hurting because your children have rejected your values, your children not walking with the Lord, may I suggest to you that you just write them a letter and tell them that you love them? And for some of you, Father's Day may, mean, may not be a happy day because you had a father who might have been abusive or who rejected you or never had time for you. May I suggest to you that you write him a letter and tell him that you forgive him. And even if he has passed away, write that letter, tear it up, because it'll be a wonderful, liberating thing for you. Now, the first thing that children often say to their dad is, Daddy, please give me. Daddy, may I? Daddy, why can't I? And all the fathers know, we just love it when our children just come and thank us for the things that they've, we've done for them. Or where they just want to sit with us. Or maybe just go for a walk with us and hold our hand. And I think our Heavenly Father is no different. So often we just come to Him and we just burst onto the scene with requests. But He loves it when we just sit with Him and spend some time with Him. Shall we do that right now? Won't you in your hearts there where you're sitting at home, quiet in your hearts, and just reflect on Him. Father, Abba, we just want to sit quietly at your feet. And we just want to say thank you for choosing to adopt us, even before the world began. Thank you, Father, for promising to provide all our needs. Thank you for committing yourself to protecting us from harm. But, Father, above all, we just want to thank you for sacrificing yourself so that we could be forgiven. And because you have dealt with our sin, you can only deal with us in love. And we just marvel at that. Thank you for the enormous privilege we have of being able to call you Father, Abba, Daddy. And we acknowledge how dependent we are on you as your children. And we know that you love us to bring our requests to you. 
And Lord, you know of all the individual needs that we as a body of Christ have, we as individual as believers have, but as a body of believers here at Watercliffe, we want to pray particularly for Pastor Paul, for Marlene and the children as they're recovering very slowly from this COVID. And Lord, we long to have them back with us in full health and strength to continue their work of shepherding us. But we also want to pray for so many in our church who are suffering from COVID and some are very, very seriously ill, as well as those who are recovering from surgery. And Lord, we pray for their loved ones to trust you. We, we, we think particularly, Lord, of Marion, of Eric, and of Kay. And we pray that they may experience not only your healing touch, but also your loving arms around them. May they know that you are with them every step of the way and experience your peace. And when they come through this, may they look back and give you all the glory. And our Father, as we study your word, we pray that our hearts may be stirred afresh as we consider what a wonderful Father you are to us. Amen. Well, the topic of today is God as our Father. And Jesus always referred to God as Father. I mean, he taught us to pray, our Father in heaven. And the only time he did not address God as Father was on the cross when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did you know that no other religion, and I don't like referring to Christianity as a religion, but for the, for the sake of comparison, no other religion refers to God as Father. The Jews, for example, regarded Abraham as their father, not God, even though he presented themselves as his father. And that's why they wanted to kill Jesus. We read in John 5:18. For this reason the Jews tried to all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now, sometimes we see God the Father differently than we see God the Son. Sometimes we see the Father as the judge. And we see the Son as the loving one who intervenes. But that is a complete wrong perspective. Because Jesus said in John 5.22, The Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Do you know that there are very few references in the Bible to the love of Jesus? But many, many references to the love of the Father. So does that mean we should stop teaching our Sunday school children to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know? No, of course not. Because the truth is that the Father and the Son are one and the same person. Jesus said in John 14, 19, anyone who has seen me, has seen the Father. Now, often our image of God as Father is shaped by the image that we have of our earthly fathers. My own father, for example, often told me that I never do anything properly. And for years, I had the feeling that my Heavenly Father was saying the same thing to me. And because we sometimes have a poor image of our earthly fathers, we end up with a twisted view of God as Father. And so the purpose of this message today 
is just to look at God in his role as father. What is God like? What does his fatherhood imply? Well, first of all, it implies that he provides for his children. I mean, you ask any father, what is their responsibility as far as their children are concerned? And most of them will say the first thing is to provide for them, to care for them. And fathers work extremely hard to make sacrifices for their children. Again, my own father, who was not particularly well off, sacrificed financially a lot to put me through university. Do you think our Heavenly Father is any different? No. He gives us everything we need. We read, for example, in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Will he give us his son to give us eternal life, but withhold things that we need for this earthly life? Of course not. And did you know that there are more promises relating to God's care for us as his children and for providing for us than any other promise? That's why Jesus said, for example, in Matthew 6, 27, why worry what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink? And then he added for the lady's sake and what you're going to wear. Your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. And the wonderful thing is that he has un limited resources Psalm 37:25 I was young and now I am old yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread and we can understand that an earthly father sometimes does not have the resources to provide for his children what he would like to but our heavenly father is mega wealthy as a child I sang a song that was based on Psalm 50 verse 10. And I just want to read it to you. I'm not going to sing it. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. He owns the rivers and the rocks and rules, the sun and stars that shine. Wonderful riches more than tongue can tell. He is my father, so they mine as well. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and so I know he cares for me. I'm sure many of you have seen that movie, Annie, and Every time I watch it, and I've watched it about two or three times, it brings tears to my eyes to think of this little orphan girl being adopted by this wealthy, wealthy man. Yet you and I have been adopted by Almighty God. Does that ever bring tears to our eyes? And that's why it's so stupid for us to worry. And then the next implication of God's fatherhood is that He protects His children. I mean, if you want to see a father get into action, just threaten one of his children. And throughout history, fathers have even sacrificed their lives to rescue their children from danger. Our Heavenly Father is even more protective. He too sacrificed his life in order to rescue us from the dangers of hell. He protects us. Don't mess with God's children. Zechariah 2 verse 8, the Lord says, For this is what the Lord Almighty says, Whoever touches you, touches the apple of his eye. And you know, it is dangerous to cause harm to one of God's children. Because if you do, 
He's going to swing into action. Remember when we were children, as little boys anyway, we used to say, hey, don't you mess with me. Eh? I'm going to tell my dad, and my dad is bigger than your dad. Well, our Heavenly Father is bigger than anybody else. Well, what does his protection imply? It does not exempt us from harm, from illness, from injustice, from criminals. If it did, then everybody would want to be, become a Christian for the wrong reason. In fact, overprotective children cause their children a tremendous amount of harm. Some years ago, I counseled a lady who wanted to be the perfect mother, and she thought that being the perfect mother was to do absolutely everything for her children and make all the decisions for them. At that time, her children were in their early teens, and they had no confidence whatsoever. And she was certainly not the perfect mother. No, God's protection is to set the limits on what we can endure. We saw that, for example, in the way he allowed Satan to deal with Job, but just so far. And Scripture tells us that he limits our trials. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, we read, No temptation, and the same word is used for trial, has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted or tested beyond, beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted or tested, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And Isaiah 43 verse 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, you will not be swept away. But please note, we will pass through waters, we will pass through rivers, we will go through a hard time, we will suffer some of us from COVID or other illnesses. But we know that He limits our trials. Well, you know, when it comes to family life, we have no real example for marriage, for example. We have prescriptions in Scripture, but no example for how we should conduct our marriages. But when it comes to parenting, we do have a wonderful example. And all fathers know that being a father is not child's play. In fact, becoming one was much more fun than being one. But God gives us the perfect example of how to be a good father. So I want to take a look at our Heavenly Father's parenting style. What is he like as a father? Well, first of all, we see that he is never too busy to listen to his children. And you know, time, when we give time to people, it's always a message of worth that we convey to them. Have you ever had the experience of trying to see the CEO of a big company? And he never has time. But his children can walk any time into his office. Now it's not a case of what you know. It's a case of whom you know and who you're related to. But we can walk any time into God's presence. His line is never engaged. And did you know that he does have a telephone number? It's J-E-R-333. Because Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things. You do not know. And it's wonderful that he often answers us by giving us a different perspective, by teaching us. And the wonderful truth is that our Heavenly Father has all eternity to answer a split-second cry for help because he is not limited by time. Isaiah 59 verse 1, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. The word oops 
is not in God's vocabulary. He never gets caught off guard. And he certainly wasn't caught off guard by the COVID pandemic. Isn't it great to have a father like that? And then we see that he loves his children unconditionally. I mean, he died for us while we were his enemies, while we rejected him, if not in outward spoken word, then certainly by our behavior. And that tells me that we don't have to earn his love. There is no pressure to perform. We don't have to get our lives in order first, like in all the other religions. And of course, this is very difficult to understand for us. Even the prodigal son, when he decided to return to his father, he said, I'm going to confess to my father that I've sinned against him, and I'm going to ask him to make me one of his servants. In other words, he wanted to earn his father's forgiveness. And the wonderful thing is that when he came back and he saw his father running, he did confess to his father, but he never asked to be made his, son, uh, made his servant because he just saw that the father just forgave him unconditionally. Nothing will ever stop our Father's love for us. But nothing. Just listen to Romans 8, 38, 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Write the scripture out. Stick it on your mirror wherever you see it regularly. And just Thank him for that day by day. And the sad part is we often withdraw from his love when we feel, well, he's upset with us. But you see, his love doesn't depend on our performance. And that's why Jesus said in, Rome, in, in John 15 verse 9, remain in my love, don't withdraw. We don't have to earn it. In 2 Timothy 2.13 we read, if we are faithless, yes, and that happens sometimes. He will remain faithful. He cannot disown himself. It doesn't depend on our faithfulness. It depends on his character. I mean, if you think about it, does a father's love and commitment to his children depend on how well they behave? Well, for earthly fathers, yes, sometimes, but not our heavenly father. And since we don't have to, or we cannot earn his love, we cannot lose his love. He loves us so much that he would rather die than live without us. And that's exactly what he did. Jeremiah 31.3 says he loves us with an everlasting love. And then the third characteristic of our father's parenting style is that he has a very high regard for his children. He gives us high class status. In 1 John 3.1 we read how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Now, it's interesting that in the Greek, the word great does not appear, because perhaps the Apostle John, when he wrote this, tried to find some word to describe, you know, unbelievable, and majestic, whatever, and in the end he just said, behold the love of the Father. It is just beyond description how great that is. Now, we have high status. We may not feature on the list of who's who in this, this world, but we certainly feature in heaven's list of who's who. And you know what that list is called? It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. 
And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, your name is written in that book. And we have higher status than Prince Charles, future king of England. We are children of the king of kings. He hasn't got a patch on us. And you see, that is what our father thinks of us. That's how high he regards us. That's why he said he's giving us the kingdom. And you know what? He thinks that we are good enough to reign with him. Revelation 3.21, Jesus said to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And when he's referring to people who overcome, he's not talking about some of the super, super spiritual Christians. No, he's talking about everybody who has faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you realize that if you're a child of God, you are royalty? You know, some years ago with the Queen's Jubilee, I was just, you know, so impressed with all the splendor, all the pomp of the VIPs. Well, they cannot match our status. I mean, we are more sure of a throne than Prince Charles is. And you know, because of his high regard that he has for us, he never scolds us, he never puts us down, he never condemns us. Yet the research has shown that in the average home, children hear 10 negative comments for every one positive comment. Our Heavenly Father does not do that. The fourth characteristic is that he instructs his children so that they can enjoy life. He wants us to reach our full potential. Jesus said in John 10:10, 10, 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you know that there is not a single command that the Lord has ever given us that spoils our enjoyment of life? A recent survey, for example, showed that Christian couples enjoy their sex life more than non-Christian couples because God wants us to enjoy life. And we are sometimes tempted to envy the celebrities, their glamour life, but we seldom read of their insecurities, their fears, their loneliness. I mean, just look how many of them turn to drugs and alcohol. Young people sometimes ask me, why can't we enjoy sex before marriage? And the answer is very simple, because it will spoil your sex life for the rest of your life. And believe me, I've been married for over 52 years and still enjoying it. Because that's what God intended for us. He wants us to enjoy life. In John 15, 11, Jesus said, I've told you this so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. And the world can only offer temporary happiness and it depends on circumstances. Ernest Hemingway, that very famous author, flouted God's laws. There was an article that appeared in Playboy magazine and that's not where I read it. In fact, it was in 1955. I was only 10 years old. But it's said in this magazine that Ernest Hemingway has shown that a man can flout every one of God's laws and get away with it. Well, almost to the day, 10 years later, Ernest Hemingway committed suicide because you cannot break God's laws. They break you. And then the fifth characteristic of God's parenting style is that he does not impose his will on his children. He leaves the choice to us. Way back in Deuteronomy 30:19. Moses said to the people, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. It is our choice. 
God's commands are not military orders where we will get uh, punished if we, if we disobey them. He always gives us a choice. Yes, he warns us of the consequences, but he's not a control freak. Our father doesn't seek to impose his will on his children. And can I add that we as parents need to avoid trying to impose our will on our children. We need to give them instructions. We need to explain the consequences, but not force them. For example, when our children were small, we simply said, if you don't get dressed in time, you'll just have to go to school without breakfast. Our shame. Choice is yours. When our children became teenagers, each one of them, my wife and I gave them our permission to smoke and drink and have sex and take drugs and even listen to pop music. Why? Because we knew as parents we could never stop them anyway. But we called it permission without approval. Oh, we taught them God's values from an early age. But when they reached the teenage years, we said, you're now old enough to make that decision yourself. You choose. It's your life. It's your body. It's your mind. It's your relationship with the Lord. And do you know, I have never, ever heard of any parent who has taken that approach with their teenagers, that the teenagers made the wrong choices. But I know of many parents who forced it on their children, and their children just rebelled against it. He leaves the choice to us. And he can only weep when we ignore his instructions. Listen to Jesus weeping in Luke 13, 34. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you. How often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And he adds these poignant words. But you were not willing. And he can only weep when his commands are ignored. And then another characteristic of his parenting style. He disciplines his children for their own good. Why? Because he wants us to be like him. Hebrews 12.10, we read, Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. I mean, why do parents discipline their children? Is it because they have this ego need to be obeyed? No, of course not. Because they want them to develop into well-behaved adults. And the Lord does discipline us. Oh, some years ago we were at a holiday resort and uh, it was extremely hot and went to bed that night. There was a blanket on the bed, so I took the blanket off, rolled it up, put it in a cupboard, just wanted to sleep under a sheet. Next morning, the housekeeper came in, and she spent quite a long time working in the bedrooms. It was a bit annoying. When I went to bed that evening, there was the blanket back on the bed. You know, just... And I said to my wife, look at that stupid housekeeper. Shortly afterwards, I stubbed my toe, something horrible. And when I do something like that, I usually say, Lord, is there something you want to tell me? And I clearly came to my mind, yes, you have just called one of my children stupid. And she was only doing the job. She was taught the way to do it. That's discipline. And I've been very careful since then not to call people stupid because I don't want to stub my toe again. You see, he wants us to become mature. And that's why James 1, verse 3 and 4, we read, Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work 
so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And God will never allow anything to happen to His children that He will not use for their good. The seventh characteristic of God's parenting style is that He forgives His children's disobedience. We have an advocate who has never, ever lost a case. In 1 John 2 verse 1, the apostle writes and says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. That is the norm for the Christian life, not to sin. But then he goes on and says, But if anyone does sin, not deliberately, he's talking about impulsively, the things that catch us off guard. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he's referring here to the advocate who speaks on our behalf. And I picture it that on the times that I do sin, that I do slip up, Jesus turns to the Father and he says, Father, Arnold has just sinned. Please put it on my account. It's already been paid for. And when people say when something goes wrong, oh, the Lord is punishing for my sins, that's a lie. And the wonderful thing is, he forgives us immediately. In Ephesians 1.7, we read, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And that grace has no limit. Please understand, there is no such thing as an unforgiven sin in the life of a believer. There may be an unconfessed sin, yes, and as a result we burden ourselves with unnecessary guilt feelings, but our sins are forgiven because of what Jesus has done. And God cannot punish the same sins twice. Years ago, a lady was, a young lady, she was engaged to be married, came, and she was absolutely sobbing because she was getting married, but she was no longer a virgin. And I was able to help her to come to the Lord and receive His forgiveness and her complete cleansing so that as far as God was concerned, she will stand with her bridegroom in front of that church, a virgin. That is how wonderful our Father is to our children. And then the last characteristic is He gives His children everything that is good for them. He deprives us of nothing. Psalm 84 verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those whose walk is blameless. He withholds nothing from us. He delights to spoil us. Joy and I often talk about the Lord's delightful extras that He gives us. And yet we so often complain about how tough we have it. I mean, how many times have we not recently complained about load shedding? And how many times have we thanked the Lord that most times we have electricity when there are millions of people in the, across the world who do not have access to that luxury? And when we complain, we're actually saying to the Lord, you're withholding good things from us. That, of course, was Eve's temptation as well. No, he loves to spoil us. Just take the example of the wedding at Cana, and he provided lots of wine. I saw a little video clip the other day where a pastor interviewed a little girl and said, what Bible story do you like the most? She says, the wedding in Cana. He said, and what did you learn from that? She said, 
when you run out of wine, you've got to pray. So I'm not sure that that was the message, but <laughs> do you know that our Father just loves to spoil us? In 1 Timothy 6 verse 7, God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. True wealth is not measured by how much we have, but by how little we lack. And as David said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I don't know about you, but most of my life God has been unfair. He's treated me unfairly because he's given me far, far more than I deserve. That's unfair. Well, let me just summarize it. God's parenting style is never too busy to listen to his children. He loves his children unconditionally. He has a high regard for his children. He instructs his children so that they can enjoy life. He does not impose his will on his children. He disciplines his children for their own good. He forgives his children's disobedience. He gives his children everything that is good for them. Wouldn't you love to have a father like that? Cannot we rejoice in our heavenly father? But let me close with a warning. God is not everybody's father. He is everybody's creator, but it's only sentimentality that says, well, we're all God's children. You see, the scripture is very clear. We have to be born into his family. That's why Jesus said in John 3 verse 3, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again, unless he becomes a totally new person. And that can only happen once. So how do we get born again? Well, we have to receive him as our Savior. John 1 verse 12, Yet all received him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And here it clearly indicates that we need to become children of God. We are not automatically children of God. And what does it mean to believe in him? It means that you throw all your eggs in one basket. You trust only in his sacrifice for your forgiveness, for your eternal destiny. And such faith will always lead to living in obedience. You see, godly living is the result of being born again, not the reason for being born again. And if you are not a child of God, none of the benefits of his fatherhood will apply to you. You're on your own. And the best advice I can give you is believe in yourself. It's not much to believe in, but it's all you got. But there is some good news. You can right now where you are at home, kneel and ask God to forgive you your sins and ask him to come into your life and to make you one of his children. And if you would like further help on this, please call the church office and they will direct one of our church leaders, elders, to perhaps get in touch with you and be able to uh, explain that further.